Hello, welcome to another episode of Step Back Sisterhood. I'm Janelle, and I'm joined by Tara, Britt, and Amber. And today we are talking about kicks. And I'm so excited to welcome Tia Elbert to the show. Uh, she is a sneaker connoisseur, and it's rare to have women in the sneaker culture. So this is going to be pretty interesting. How you doing today, Tia? I'm doing good. You know, thank you for bringing me on the show. I think it'll be a really interesting to kind of talk about this because it's different when you talk about it from the female perspective. So I'm excited for it. Tell us what got you in the shoes. Have you always been into sneakers? So not necessarily. Um, I've always been like an athlete. So played basketball in high school and throughout college. Hey, and so did I. And so did Amber. Okay. Okay. So what really got me into sneakers is I've always been kind of like a tomboy my whole life. And in high school, my boyfriend and like my group of guy friends, cause that's all I hung out with. They got the bread fours. I remember they released and I still have a picture and everything. Maybe I can send it over to you guys, but they wore their bread fours like all at the same time. And I was just kind of like, Oh wow. Like these are dope. So <laughs> take it. When I was younger, my mom had me in J's like all the time when I was a baby, but obviously I was too young to kind of understand. But when I saw those bread fours and they had camped out for it and everything, I was just kind of like, wow, you know, I, I kind of want to learn more about Jordans. Didn't know anything about it by then um, until I like looked into it. And then obviously looked into it and I was like, okay, cool. And my very first pair of Jordans were the Oreo fives, mm-hmm. which is, it's not even like an OG colorway, but it was the Oreo fives. And I remember my mom bought them after then I was addicted, but she was like, you know, I'm not buying you any more shoes. So you're going to have to get a job and get them yourself. So it kind of started from there. So you said that you uh, were an athlete. What sports did you play? And did you have any favorite teams that you followed or continue to follow? Yeah. So in high school I played, I was a multi-sport athlete. Um, in middle school, I actually played football for my first in eighth grade. So I played tackle football, which was really fun. Um, the soccer coach was a little mad about that, but I'm a huge fan of football. Like I just love watching it. And if I was a guy, it may be my main sport. I'm not sure, but, um, I played football in middle school, uh, did a little bit of tennis high school. I played volleyball in the fall. So I switched over to volleyball instead of football, obviously played basketball. That was my main sport. And then I also ran track. And so I was able to get a full ride scholarship, um, in basketball, so I played at Marquette my freshman year, and then I ended up transferring to to Indiana to finish out my career there, so playing college basketball. And as far as favorite teams, um, I was a big fan of the UConn women's basketball, but once you kind of play college sports, you don't necessarily have a favorite team anymore other than the team that you're playing for, so that just kind of like waned out. I'm the same way. I had favorite players I like to watch because I was in college around the same time Candace Parker was. Okay. I watched Simone Augustus a lot. Ivory Ladder a lot. So I was in college when women's college basketball, it wasn't getting that much coverage and things like that. So I understand what you're saying now. Like I had players I like to watch, but I didn't have a favorite team because I played in college. It's kind of like, right. oh, okay, like they're women just like me playing at a higher level you know, that's cool. You know, I want to seem like a, a groupie or a right. fan or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so that's why, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, I like watching them play. But back to the shoes. I'm a sneakerhead myself. Uh, we, t- <laughs> we talked about this with Zeke. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you remember your first pair of Jordans that you got? Do you remember the first pair that you got? It wasn't it was it original. Was it were they an original? No, colorway? they weren't. So. I think the shoes that got me into it that kind of like piqued my interest were the bread fours that, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, a lot of my friends and my boyfriend had got them. And, you know, I was looking at the bread fours and I was like, wow, that's a dope shoe. Obviously I wasn't into Jordans by then because that was the shoe that piqued my interest. But the next big release after I kind of did my research were the Oreo five. So they actually weren't okay. like an OG colorway. And I actually just thought they're about to release them again next year, which I thought was pretty cool. Yep. But, um, they were the Oreo fives and they actually released, I think it was the Black Friday release, if I'm not mistaken. So 
I graduated high school in 2014. Um, so I believe that might have been my junior year of high school. So that probably was like 2012, maybe 2013. So I caught the Oreo fives and that from there, it just kind of like took off. And so I was just like super interested in it. Um, the next shoe that I tried to get was like the, it was the Gamma 11s and I'll never forget it. I was going absolutely <laughs> crazy over these kicks and I was so pissed off because I missed out on every single site that you can think of. Um, and then as I started to get into, it, uh, uh, get into it a little bit more, I'm super inquisitive. So if I don't understand something or I don't know something, I'm quick to Google or, you know, I'm going on social media and try to learn more and search it. And I couldn't get one pair of shoes and I saw people getting 20, 30 pairs of shoes. And I'm just kind of like, how, <laughs> you know, especially seeing how hard it was for me. So it, it really was the Oreo fives and then the Gamma 11s kind of like piqued that interest even more. Uh, that's awesome. Okay. Did you have a follow up, okay, Amber? Brent. I had a little follow up. Okay, go ahead. I remember. My first pair of fives, I'm just going to say this. My first pair of fives were the Laney fives. And I had them for probably three months and then I sold them. I just could not, cause I went, cause the Laney fives came out, you know, usually they come out with a shoe, a shirt, a hoodie yeah. and my plug and my plug got me the Laney fives, but I could not find the hoodie. And I was like, man, I don't have nothing to wear with them. So I had them for three months. I probably wore them three times, wrapped them up in a box, wrapped them up in some plastic as a shoe, as us shoe heads do. So they won't. The white won't turn, I mean, the bottom of the shoe won't turn yellow. If you guys don't know that the bottom of the shoe <laughs> turns yellow over time. So you have to wrap them in plastic to pre- preserve the color. So I did that. I had them for three months and I was like, man, I think I'm going to sell them. And I ended up selling them for, I think, 170 mm. And then the hoodie restocked in my size and I was ticked. But that's just my little five story. That's the only pair of fives I think I had. I want the uh, Fresh Prince and Berlair fives. But my plug couldn't get them, and I couldn't find them in my size. So which one? The, I was the the, the the original colorway or the new? Yeah, one? the OGs, the OGs. Yes, See, I, I missed those. I just paid resale for them like three months ago. I had to. Oh, <laughs> they were on oh. list. <laughs> oh, oh, you paid re. Oh, I bless you. <laughs> I feel like I got a deal. To be honest, because you know, to be honest, I resell myself. Like after the Gamma Elevens. I was in high school, you know, I didn't have a job. And when I saw people getting like 20, 30 pairs and they were kind of thumbing their own personal pair, I was like, wow, like, you know, that's a cool concept. And I've always been kind of like about business and I just kind of respected it in a way. I was pissed off. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if I can say that, but um, you're you're fine. This is a safe space. It's cool. Safe space. (laughs) Yeah. So I was pissed off, but just kind of like the, you know, they teach you in macroeconomics, right? Supply and demand. But mm-hmm. seeing that firsthand was just kind of like, wow. You know, the gammas were going for like, I don't, I think they might have retailed at 200 at that point, but they were going for like 350 $400. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's a good way for me to kind of make a little bit of cash if I can get my hands on it um, as a high schooler. And I was playing sports, so I didn't have time to work too many jobs. Yeah. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So, I mean, you've mentioning a few um, different colorways for Jordans and ones that you like. Um, I'm not too much of a sneakerhead myself, but it's interesting to hear the conversation. And I- I'm wondering, what do you think makes a good design for a pair of shoes? So me personally, um, I think when I first started getting into shoes, I just wanted every single pair of Jordans that dropped. And it didn't really matter how they looked. It was just like, hey, I'm able to get these shoes that most people aren't able to get. And over time, so you got to think, what, I'm 25 now. So I've been into sneakers since 2013, 2012. So it's been about eight years. Um, I got to the point where I was like, you know, I really don't want half these sneakers. Um, and so I started selling them uh, to get a little bit of my money back. A lot of them I hadn't even worn by then. And so when I think of my ideal shoe, I didn't know at first, but once I started selling them, I realized that the shoes that I was sell- that I was selling was the ones that weren't OG colorway. So it wasn't like the Chicago ones. Um, it wasn't like the bread fours or anything like that. It was kind of like the colorways that Jordan was kind of being creative with um, that I was getting rid of because I just didn't care too much for. But 
even not being a Jordan fan back in 1995, because that's when I was born, you, you realize just how much weight those OGs kind of hold. And, you know, when you look at them, I don't know, it just kind of means something different. So I like the OG colorways and my favorite, my favorite motto, I would say, are the, the ones, the threes and the fours. Those are my absolute favorites. Yeah. Is there a particular reason? Um, is it like just the way they feel? I guess, first of all, do you actually wear your shoes often? And if, if it's not really a, um, fit sort of thing, is it just more, um, like the original designs like you were mentioning? Yeah. Honestly, I think as a woman, most, most models, maybe not most, but a lot of the models that they have one through only wear one through 14, right? Mm-hmm. Most of those don't really kind of like fit the way a woman would like to rock their mm-hmm. shoes. Um, and so it's kind of interesting, but I, I think that the ones, the threes and the fours kind of fit the way a woman would rock their shoes the most. Um, especially the ones you can kind of wear them with pretty much anything, right? I can wear leggings. I can wear joggers. I can wear jeans with those and either one of those combinations I can wear with. And you know, I like to mix it up a little bit when I dress. So I shop in the men's section a lot. Um, getting the oversized clothing, you can wear the ones with literally anything. Um, the threes and the fours, uh, not as versatile as the ones, but kind of like the same thing. I feel like I wear them with a lot more. And especially, you know, I wear a lot of sweatpants and things like that. So go to a lot of basketball games and that's when I really like rock my shoes the most. Okay. You know, a lot of people, when they buy shoes and collect them, you know, they, they usually go on the Nike sneaker app, complain when they take an L. But what I'm, what I'm curious about is what is the craziest thing you have done to get a pair of sneakers? So I wouldn't necessarily say crazy and you guys might hate me for this, but I'm a, I'm a big believer in if I'm not able to do something, I have to kind of match what my competition is doing. And so as some of you may realize, a lot of times you need bots in order to compete in this market. <laughs> so I got bots and I, I spent a lot of money on these bots and some people hate it, but you either, you, you got to join them at some point. And if I want to get the sneakers that I want, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, I have no shame in that game. So I wouldn't say crazy. Uh, I think it's more so just kind of smart, just trying to keep up with the, the trend that's going on right now. So I use a lot of bots. If you can see them, join them and beat them at their own game. <laughs> I try to. I'm still not beating them. That's the thing that pisses me off about bots, right? You get them thinking you're guaranteed a pair. That's not true. So sometimes some releases are just a waste, but that's just a part of the game. It's like a part of the chase. Yeah. I, I guess with bots though, you have to sort of um, fine tune them. If, if you don't necessarily have the coding skills, you probably um, folks probably wouldn't be able to use them off out of the gate. Um, especially as um, websites and companies, you know, change their formulas on, you know, to try to prevent bots. So I can understand why they're not necessarily working every single time. Exactly. For sure. So this is, so interesting because I am a complete newbie when it comes to sneaker culture. I've always been like really fascinated by it, but never really understood it. So like, uh, when you talk, if you, how do you explain like what sneaker culture is to somebody who like doesn't really know what it is? And maybe I'm like, call, maybe I'm like five years behind and it's not even called sneaker <laughs> culture anymore. No, it's really, it depends on who you ask, right? So I'm a millennial. Um, I'm still, I would consider myself kind of new to the sneaker game. So a lot of the guys that I kind of learned from, they've been at, been at it since like 1990. I'm talking when, you know, they would get the East Bay catalog and they would, oh, yeah. easily, oh, yeah. you know, get the oh, shoes yeah. from there. Never I don't know that. that. Yeah. So yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't around during that time. I can only learn from them, you know, when they talk about those types of things. Um, when I was getting into it, I did a little bit of camping, but you know, when you talk about being a woman in the, the sneaker world, you do have to take 
more precautions. So as a woman, I'm not trying to be camping all night because sometimes. Does that mean can't... like going early and waiting for the store to open to a credit? Like, so camping, for instance. So when I was in high school, I didn't really camp much, but I know my guy friends did a lot. You know, I'm from Minnesota. So they would go to the Mall of America. The shoes were supposed to release on Saturday. They'd be there like Friday after school and they would stay there like overnight until it opened up back in the morning. Um, so you got those type of people. So now you got the people that were kind of like pre 2000s that shopped from the catalog. Then you got kind of after that, the people that camped a lot. Um, when I came in, bots were super new. But the people that had them were like well before their time. And when I first joined, I didn't even necessarily know about them. Like I said, with the Gamma 11s, I was wondering how people got 20, 30 pairs. I didn't find out till maybe a half a year later how they were able to do that. And I found out about bots and um, I didn't even have enough money to get them. I was still in high school and I had just, you know, went off to college that first year. Uh, so I wasn't as focused. But, you know, when you talk about sneaker culture, it has changed a lot, and I think it's it's changing even more just because everyone wants to be a reseller now. Um, you got the emergence of GOAT. You got the emergence of StockX. I use both of those apps to sell my shoes, not so much as StockX because the, the shoes kind of lose its value because you have people that purchase the shoes, but they can't afford to hold on to the shoes for – two weeks, three weeks, you know, a month even, which drives the price down, right? Because you're selling them really quick because you can't, you don't want to charge that interest on your credit card or maybe use your mom's or dad's credit card and they want their money back. Um, so it went from people actually loving sneakers to a lot of people are in the sneaker game just to make a quick buck. So I think that's probably the biggest difference in, that's kind of a disappointment because a lot of people don't even wear, you know, they don't understand the history behind it, let alone do they even care about kind of like rocking them in. You know, like you were saying about trying to find that Laney jacket, you know, no one's thinking about that anymore. They're thinking, how much can I make? Not how can I rock these shoes and what outfit am I going to wear with them? So that's the biggest difference between when I first started to now. Bots get on my nerves. <laughs> I get on the sneakers app and I'm like, okay, maybe I'll get these. And I have a popular size. I wear size 10 in men. Okay. The resale on a size 10 in men is usually higher than everything on StockX pretty much. Cause there's, cause they're so high in demand. I must admit, I have bought some shoes off StockX. Yeah, I go through the plug. I go through, I go through the sneaker. Then I, the sneaker app and I go through the plug. StockX is the last resort. The GOAT app is the last resort because right. I just don't want to pay. I just don't want to do it. They just cost too much. I don't blame you. Um, yeah, I don't pay a lot just of too much for shoes, honestly. Uh, I'm super disciplined in the way that I spend, and I love shoes, don't get me wrong. But I think since I've kind of gotten away from just trying to grab every single pair of Jordans and just trying to focus on ones that I missed out on, I call them like grails. Not every shoe is going to make your grail list. So unless it has like grail status, I'm not going to pay resale for them. Uh, absolutely not. Um, as far as Nike sneakers, I don't know what's going on with them because there hasn't been a consistent Nike, a consistent Nike bot for I think the last drop they may have worked on, uh, hype release is a Travis Scott force. Mm-hmm. That was like maybe a year ago, maybe over a year ago. So Nike actually put in a lot of measures to stop bots and people that bought Nike haven't been super successful, at least in the U S region. So uh, that's why I don't understand what's going on with sneakers. Cause I haven't copped for a minute on sneakers. You know what? And it frustrates me, but it's okay. I will prevail one day, but here's yeah. my question. My favorite player of Jordans to play in with the Jordan twos. Now I played in the Jordan twos, the all black, in the gray, not the originals, not the all white and red and black, but I played an original to the black pair. I think it was 2002. I was a sophomore in high school, 2002. They were mm-hmm. so light and so comfortable. I've had those shoes for three years. I played basketball in those for three years. Wow. So they were, I played pickup in them. 
you know, I played in high school with them, my AU team. It was, they were just so comfortable to play in. People were like, man, you're going to wear those shoes out, but they look good. They, nothing was wrong with them. And eventually I had to, you know, had to give them up. So my question right. to you is, what are your favorite pair of Jordans to play in? I actually never played in a pair of Jordans. What? Um, never? Yeah. And maybe that's just like the new generation, right? Of sneakerheads. Okay. okay. I'm a super freak about my shoes. So I don't like them creased. I don't like them bent. I don't like any speck of dirt on them whatsoever. They're like so before when I want to like rock a hot outfit that I think is like dope or anything like that. And I never, when I first got into J's, you know, a lot of people were wearing them, at least a lot of the guys. And I never understood it because I just felt like it didn't have, um, it, it wasn't as light as you're describing. And that could be with the times, right? As Nike and Jordan realized that people weren't really wearing Jordans as much to hoop in, but more so to just kind of like rock and more fashion. Um, but they just always kind of felt heavy to me and didn't have the right ankle support for me. So I never, I never rocked Jordans in a pair. Uh, I never rocked a pair of Jordans in a game and I, I just didn't want to ruin them. Yeah. I had, let's see, I had Jordans I would hoop in and Jordans I would just wear. So I had kind of two different styles and yes, Jordans are heavier now because when I had the ones in high school, they were a lot lighter than the ones are now. Wow. And you could just feel the difference. And I played, I played in the cool gray nines as well. Cause my wow. uh, high school colors were maroon and gray. So I got the all cool gray nines in high school. It was my freshman year. I want to say in high school. I also played in the 16s, the, the, the flap. They had the maroon and gray one. So I got the maroon and gray. We could change the flap over to a different color. You know, I played in those in high school as well, but they weren't, they weren't heavy. They weren't heavy back then, but if you pick up a pair of Jordans now, they're heavier. And I think what Nike's doing is durability. They cost more now because Jordan, back when I was in high school, you didn't have to sit and stand in line. You didn't have to, you know, hit the plug up. You could just walk to finish line, look at the East Bay book. I was an East Bay fan, foot action, wherever you need to go, get some shoes. You can just walk right out. Hey, I need these in a size 10. Okay, cool. Bet. So I remember when Jordan used to release shoes on Black Friday. And I, I said, Mom, we got to go to the mall early. And she's like, why? I said, it's Black Friday. And she was like, oh, okay, some Jordan's coming out? I said, yeah. She said, okay, I get to the mall. Oh, yeah, we got your size. What? You can't do that now. You cannot do that now. That is that is just non-existent. So I just wanted to get your opinion on, you know, uh playing in basketball shoes and things like that because I played in Jordan's. I had Jordan's I played in and in Jordan's I just wore. So I had two different types. Yeah, Uh I don't have much experience there, but I do have a question for you. Honestly, you were at a time where you can go and walk in and say, Hey, I want these in a size. When do you think that changed? Because obviously I think since I've been in the sneaker game, that hasn't been possible. So if I've been in the last eight years, um, at least as long as I've been in the sneaker game, that hasn't been that possible. So when do you think it kind of changed? When he limited, limited pairs. Remember he would say, Oh, this is limited, like one per customer or, he will limit mm-hmm. limit pairs of shoes. I think that's when it changed. Not all stores get every pair of Jordans anymore either. Mm-hmm. Because here in Oklahoma, every store used to get them. Like every finish line at every mall, every foot action, every champs, um, every foot locker would get them. And then they were like, oh, you can only get these here. We can only get these there. And I'm like, why? And then East Bay quit selling them. Uh, I used to get a finish line book. Finish line used to have them in their book. I used to be like, oh, yeah, I'm circling these, putting these on refrigerator. Mom, they come out this day. Okay, Amber. So I think it changed when he limited the pairs. And I think it changed when they became so exclusive too. Because now the Columbia 11s, which were very hard to get, of course the Gamma, the Gammas as well. When he's coming out with these colorways you've never seen, the 72 72 and 10 11s, I had those, sold those. Um, The packages, when he was putting them in packages, and the packages was like four or $500. And people were going crazy over the packages, but you can only get one package. It's like, what? So I think with the limited edition, he limited it, limited the shoe. Then he kind of cut stores off from every store getting a shoe. In Oklahoma, people were shooting people over Jordans. I said, it's not that deep. Yeah. It's really not that deep. So I think that's when it changed. I'm trying to figure out the year it changed. I want to say probably 2000. 
nine or 10, I was still in mm-hmm. college and I wanted the uh, red and white 13s and actually had to, I wasn't really in line, but I had to stand in line and get those. And I was the fourth person in line and people, the line was just, it was getting crazy, but wow. nobody knew they were going to drop at this one particular store. I'm like, how do people find out about it? And I called my friend. I said, yo, you better get up here. Like line getting thick. I have a popular size. So I got to be at least the first. Yeah. I'm not the first 10, 10 in line. And I know I'm not going to get it. So you get your shoe and you walk out the, you walk out the store, walk out the mom. Like, okay, I got to watch my surroundings. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. It, it just got crazy. So I would say probably my senior in, in college is when he kind of got bad when they were limited, how many stores got them and how many pairs you can get. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I never had that problem because I wasn't going around getting Jordans. But um, I guess uh, one quick question that's related to Amber's. Um, to, I mean, you had to had worn sneakers, as, you know, as part of your, um, you know, playing sports. What sneakers did you actually wear? Um, I'm like true to Nike. So mm-hmm. before I got to college, um it was all Nike, and there was no other brand that I would wear. Marquette, I was lucky because we were in Nike school. So we had all the Nike gear. I'm super brand loyal to Nike. IU, I kind of had to suck it up a bit because it was Adidas. Um, even then, we had, like, team shoes, but I refused to wear it because I play basketball, and, yes, I'm looking to win. But I'm a true believer in, like, you look good, you feel good. Mm. So I would go and buy my own kicks that were kind of like our team colors. So the shoes that I hooked in in college at IU were the James Harden. Um, I don't know oh. the specific model, but I had the white pair and then I had, which is our home pair, and then I had like the red and like oranges pair um, oh. that I wore in the winter. I actually have those. I mean, those are probably the few shoes that I have. But yeah, I have those. Those are like the volume threes. Yeah, the, the volume threes because they were recently on sale, That's, which is the only reason why I buy them because I can't buy uh, retail anything. Um, but I think sort of related to that, um, I, why do you think that shoes and basketball are so intertwined? Really just the people that kind of came before us. Um when you think of sports, right, any sport, most times or not, you have equipment. Um, in basketball, the equipment is minimal. You either have, like, your knee pads, maybe people have, like, wristbands, sleeves, things like that. Um, but your biggest piece of equipment is your shoes. And it's the most important because if your shoes don't kind of fit the way you want them to, you can't run the way you want to, you can't cut the way you want to, you may not have as much support as you want to. And so it makes the most sense that basketball and shoes kind of go hand in hand because that's our most important piece of equipment. Um, You know, you don't want your shoes breaking on you. You don't want to like kind of how Zion Williamson did kind of blow right through them and things like that. And your shoes have a big, have a bit big impact on whether you say injury free or whether you're injury prone. Uh, if your if your laces aren't tied tight enough, probably easier to roll an ankle. Hmm. Or forget the laces. If your shoes don't have enough ankle support, it's easier to roll an ankle. Um, especially with the kids. I know during my time, the low top shoes. That's all I wore was low top shoes at that time. Low top is all we wore beforehand. Every pretty much every shoe. I don't think even low top was even thought of. You know, because of the ankle support and things like that, but. Like I said, Nike's realizing that kids care a lot about how they look on the court as well and not just kind of um, the way it performs. They started creating low tops. Uh, maybe it leads to more injuries, I don't know, but it looks a hell of a lot better when you have on those low tops and a nice pair of socks <laughs> other than a high tops like the N1s or something like that. So, Okay. Well, when it comes to basketball and you know, shoes. I want to say that also it's, it's fair to say that, you know, basketball is such a cool game and it's more intimate. You know, when you think of football, you think of everybody padded up. These players are visible. You see their face. You, you see them, you know, out there. And 
they like to express themselves. So my question to you is, what do you think about the NBA lifting the current standard requirements they used to have? The color standards, like how they have to wear like team colors and things like yeah, that? Yes, now they can wear whatever they want to as far as colors go. They don't have to match or nothing. Yeah, I definitely thought it was limiting. Um, I understood why because basketball is a team sport. So when you're watching the game, you don't want to be focused on LeBron James kicks or something like that um, or Swaggy P's kicks. So I understood why. But I'm glad that they kind of opened it up because you got to think basketball, yes, it is a sport and it is a sport where people are going to be competitive and they want to win. But especially when you get to those levels at the professional levels, this is about fashion as well. Like a lot of guys, you got to think like PJ Tucker, he was able to get deals because, you know, he's a super Jordan fanatic. So when you get to that level, it's more than just, hey, I'm rocking these pair of shoes. It's, hey, this could be a potential business opportunity for me. And if you're passionate about that, who wouldn't love to get a Jordan deal if they love Jordans their whole entire life? So, you know, when you talk about those guys, I'm glad that they're able to express themselves a little bit more. Um, it opens up the creativity because, yeah, it's about basketball, but shoes are even bigger than basketball because you talk about you've got them in basketball, but now you're seeing the football players starting to get a little bit more creative mm-hmm. with their cleats and things like that. You can bring it over to SB when you're talking about skating. You know, the dunks are super huge in, in, in those. And, you know, I I definitely think that over time it's going to expand into more sports where the shoes are kind of like a form of expression everywhere. But just look how fast it's kind of been moving into different capacities um, of everyday life. So, I'm glad speaking that the speaking of CJ, uh, his sneaker, uh, fandom has, has resulted in a business opportunity in a way. And he got a store in Houston. If I'm not mistaken, Britt, don't he have a store in Houston? I actually don't know about that. Maybe Tara, yeah. do you know if he has a store in Houston? No, but we can Google it while we're talking. He has a sneaker yeah. store in Houston. Yeah. And it's just fitting for him because, you know, he, he, he's the sneaker king as, as far as, um, the NBA goes. You know, everybody on, you know, BR kicks just, you know, just on the lookout to see what he's wearing. And, you know, it's just great. And also I do have a follow up as far as representing brands. What does it mean to an athlete to be given a signature shoe? How hard is it? to get one or is it easier now than it's been in the past? Um, I definitely think it's a lot harder. Uh, I play a little bit of 2K, so I know it's like a huge deal when you get your own signature signature shoe, right? Um, there's not a lot of people in the league right now that have their own signature shoe. So you have LeBron, you have KD, you have Kyrie Irving. Dane has one. James Harden has one. Steph got one. Steph has one, right? Uh, under Paul under. George, Giannis. Paul George. Giannis. Russell Westbrook. Russell, <laughs> yep. The Why Nots. Yeah. Jordan. So yeah. that was less than 10 players that I've named in the entire NBA. So, yes, signature shoes are amazing. And, but what I think what makes them more amazing is if they have a say in kind of how they look, right? Because if I'm a if I'm a young man growing up or a young woman, right, and I want to be in the WNBA or I want to be in the NBA, the signature shoe is what you always want because that signifies, hey, I'm one of the best in what I do. Uh, so that's always going to be huge. You know, I've always been curious about how much do these athletes have a say in their shoes? You know, some just look at them and say, oh, all right, I'll, you know, just step my name on them. But how many really takes into the craft of creating a shoe? You know, like, you know, picking out the colors, picking out, you know, the, the stories to go with it. You know, how many of them are really that much involved in the creative process? I'm thinking that it's not that many. I know I've heard Dame talk about one of the nice things about living in Portland is that he can just run over to Nike 
when they uh want to talk about his shoe. I mean, so I've I've read a lot of stories about him being involved with his shoe. Yeah, he got the wrestling vibe going. He he had a stone cold come away and now he got Rick Slayer. Yeah. Yeah. And he even had one like in support of his mother too as well. Um I I think it depends on the athlete, right? Some guys may not care as much about it, but with Russell being my favorite player, he's super into fashion. So I definitely think that he has a, a huge say so and kind of like maybe not the way the shoe looks, but at least the colorway and the stories behind it. Um, I definitely think he's involved in, in those types of conversations. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Not not necessarily the silhouette, but just the colors because it just seems like the casual fan, that, that's what they care about mostly because a lot of them, I don't think they're going out there to hoop in them. You know, I, I really don't. But, you know, I'm just thinking of, you know, how, how they would look with jeans, and I think that's what most care about. You know, you say that, though, but I don't know if I agree with that just because a lot of these shoes, honestly, if I see people wearing, like, a lot of these basketball shoes in, like, regular streetwear or clothes, it doesn't go a lot of the times. Some of them you can pull off, but other than Jordan's, and maybe that's why Jordan is who he is and that's why his brand is what it is, Jordan's are probably the only shoe that you can wear when you go to the grocery store or something like that. You can't wear LeBron's when you're going to the grocery store. You can't wear LeBron's nowhere. (laughs) You know what I mean? Even like KD's, like with the exception of Jordan's, every other signature shoe I can think of are shoes meant to be worn on the court. And it'd be interesting to see who's kind of going to branch out of that to kind of compete with Jordan a little bit because right now Jordan is the only brand that you can wear on and outside the court. You see someone like Kyrie doing that. If he's doing it, in my opinion, he hasn't been successful. <laughs> my hot take, but that's just my opinion. I agree. Well, I have a question that kind of follows up on that. And um that is like, who do you think in the league right now might be the next person who would be a really good person to have a signature shoe, even in the WNBA? Like, what's it going to take for somebody in the WNBA to get a signature shoe? So obviously you have to be one of the best in the league. You have to, you're only going to get a signature shoe if people kind of adore you, no matter whether you have a good game or a bad game. And so a lot of those guys that have that, they do have those fans like that. So I can't think of anyone right now that maybe has that star power in order to get it. Maybe I could see LaMelo ball with the, with the, the hype that he has coming into the league. Obviously, though, he's going to have to show and prove that he can kind of hold that up. He's with Jordan's team. So that's probably the best chance he's going to have to prove himself that he deserves that type of deal. You know, if he doesn't have it by now. And now that he doesn't have to, like, be locked into big baller brand. <laughs> I think Lamelo's with Puma, actually. He is. Yeah, he's with Puma. He's with Puma. Do they have any signature athletes at Puma? I feel like yep. they do. They yeah, I think they do. Um, they got Kyle Kuzma, Kelly Oubre, yeah. and I think DeMarcus Cousins. Didn't DeMarcus Cousins? Yeah, DeMarcus had, yeah, DeMarcus did for sure. DeMarcus, yeah, and Kelly Oubre and Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma's kind of like the face of Puma though. Like they kind of made him like the face for like basketball shoes for Puma. Quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kyle Kuzma's great, but Puma's gonna have to work <laughs> to get those star caliber players because Kyle Kuzma is not going to do it. Um, <laughs> I, I like watching them play, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, Puma's a brand that's kind of coming from behind. So, so I like what they're doing. They're trying to grab up a lot of those young players, which is super smart. Um, but they're still competing with the Jordans, the Adidas, the Under Armors even because Under Armour has kind of shown up as a likely competitive new balance, you know, mm-hmm. getting Kawhi. Jimmy Butler just mm-hmm. signed with Lightning that Dwayne mm-hmm. Wade has been with. You know, he kind of Clay Thompson and to, you know, so there's a lot of competitors in that market. Um, I think kids are most accustomed to the Adidas, the Nike and the Jordan, but um, those other brands are playing, are paying big money. 
Kyle Kuzma's not going to do it for Puma, so they're just going to have to keep trying, and maybe they'll get that kind of diamond in the rough. <laughs> do you think that um, there's – I mean, it feels like we're so overdue to have women have shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Maya Moore, she kind of – she didn't get her signature shoe, but they did kind of give her a few takes on the Jordans that were kind of already out, which I thought was cool. Uh, I'm surprised Diana Taurasi doesn't have a signature shoe just because everyone knows who Diana Taurasi is. I think during the NBA draft, mm-hmm. I forget who she was interviewing, but the guy was kind of like, oh, oh, my God, like – Diana Taurasi is interviewing me. You know what I mean? And so I'm kind of surprised that players like her don't have something like that. You know, Sue Bird. There's so many amazing WNBA players. Um, I think it's just more so, you know, from a, a business perspective, they want to have a, a little bit more eyes on them to where they have the bigger market. But I think that's where AAU comes in. You're seeing AAU become huge, especially and women's basketball bigger than it's kind of like ever been before. And you know, I wouldn't say it's bigger than women's college basketball, but women's college basketball is almost more popular than a WNBA. And once we're kind of able to put it in perspective and say kind of how the men's is, you got AAU, then you have college, and then you have the NBA. Once we can get NBA and that's sorry, WNBA in that same respect is when I think more players start to get signature shoes where they're like, okay, college is definitely better than AAU. Um, the WNBA is definitely better than college. WNBA's problem right now is they don't have enough teams, and a lot of players, I've played with a lot of them, they don't get drafted or they get drafted and get cut simply because they just don't have enough teams and enough money to pay all of these players, and it's really kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I know Candace Parker has signed with Adidas. I think Skylar Diggins did something for Jordan. I'm not sure what she did for Jordan. Um, I know Maya Moore has Jordan. I remember I used to have the Cheryl Swoops back in the day, the Swoops. Oh, I used yes, to have I those back. <laughs> I used to have <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have those back in the day, but for me, <clears throat> When I think about shoes and I think about teams, I think about players, it's, like you said, it is very hard to get a signature shoe. Um, the most comfortable pair of basketball shoes I've ever played in, and I never thought I would say this because they're low top, were Kobe's. So now that Nike took all the Kobe's off the market and Sneaker is re-releasing them, but they're only re-releasing the fives, right? Yeah. So it's like, dang, I had the Silk 9s. But I had them for two or three years, play basketball in them, and, you know, it was time for them to go. I just recently got some fives. I missed them on a sneaker app, but my plug took me up. So I got the fives. PJ Tucker had his fives come out on a sneaker app. Of course, yeah. I miss, miss those. Impossible. It. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> um, my favorite pair of Kobe's are the threes, but they want like eight or nine hundred for those because those yeah. were the, this is when Kobe first signed a Nike. Before the whole Colorado scandal, then he went to Adidas and then he went back to Nike. So have you ever played basketball in the pair of Kobe's? And if so, which ones? Yes, I, I did play basketball in some Kobe's and I don't really, so I don't know much about the Kobe's as far as like the models and the numbers and things like that, but there was a shoe and maybe you know, but it was kind of like a mint colorway with like, like a yellow orange specs. You know which ones I'm talking about? I have to think, but I'll probably have to get back to you. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to look them up. <laughs> okay. But those were the Kobe's that I played in. They actually were super comfortable. Um, Kobe definitely has some of the best sneakers in the game when you talk. I probably wouldn't wear them off the court, but I definitely think Kobe has the closest pair of shoes that you could wear off the court than any other signature shoe that you can think of. And then on the court, the style is just impeccable. You can you can wear them with ankle braces. You can wear them with long socks. You can wear them with short socks. You can wear them with no socks. Which mm-hmm. my boyfriend's a, a high school coach, and now the style is to like wear ankle socks, which is beyond me. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I mean? but like Kobe's kind of go right along with that. And if you watch the, the the NBA championship, Anthony Davis had on a, a crazy pair of Kobe's that looked like the Chicago ones that I yep. thought was just absolutely nuts. Yeah. 
I saw those and I said, okay, sneaker app, when you gonna release these? I got on stock X. I saw the price. I said, eh, nah. Then I saw the golden, the golden white fives as well. They came in a package with the what the, so the what the yes. and the golden white came in a package together. And I think mm. they were wanting like seven, eight hundred dollars for that pack. And I was like, no. Mm. And I got on the goat app. I saw the same thing. I said, no. You know what? I just don't feel like that, you know, I should pay almost rent for a pair of shoes. I, I just, it's just not my thing. So I usually kind of hold off. I haven't bought shoes in a while. I did buy some Nike Air Max 90s um, the other day because Tara bought her first pair of Air Force Ones. Congratulations to her. Okay. And Still waiting <laughs> for him to get here. You know, sneakerheads have delays. It's okay. <laughs> they could be arriving any minute. And my next question is going to be like, how, what's, how do I unbox them correctly? Look, anyway, right. I, I'm actually getting into the YouTube scene. Mm-hmm. I made a video and I didn't have a box cutter. So I had to use scissors, which, you know, don't try I was going to do it Dennis Rodman style and just like tear the whole thing. Don't, don't, don't do it that way. Don't do it. I keep my boxes. So, some people don't really care about their boxes much, but I don't know. I, I like to keep mine. Do you keep your shoes in the boxes? Yeah. So they're I like do have some. So I like to get like a few Air Maxes. So I actually the last personal pair of shoes I just bought was like two days ago, and mm-hmm. it was the Air Max ones, the Magma. So it was in that orange colorway. Yeah. Um. So I had to pay resale, but the resale price is actually cool. I pe- probably paid twenty dollars over. But I probably would have paid already. So I bought those Air Maxes. I put in those, uh, I forget what brand they are, but you know, those little clear boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of stack on top of each other. Air Maxes yep. and things like that, I put in those. But my, my J's, just because, and it's the reason why I do that. You never know when you're going to need to sell your Jordans or something like that. Um, so I like to have every single thing and you obviously get the highest amount of money or it's more valuable when you have everything. If it doesn't have a box, it loses a lot of value. Mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to release my unboxing video. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see it. You know, I, I, my, you know, I unbox shoes. I kind of, my, actually my Air Max nineties and my iPhone came at the same time. The UPS man came to the door, oh, wow. came at the same time. And I'm like, okay. And I told Tara I got my shoes in. She said, I don't believe it till you send a picture. So I sent her a picture. I said, see, I got them in. They were so, I got so some, pretty. Yeah, I got the Galaxy Air Max 90s. So I, I really like them. I have a lot of hoodies I can wear with them. It's hoodie season, yeah. you know. So I have my WNBA hoodie, you know, with the WNBA logo on it. I can throw that on. I'm really a color freak. Yeah. But I like to match colors. But I also yeah. not don't like to match colors. It's weird. <laughs> but... Yeah, I bought I bought those, and I think that was a great pair of shoes to buy. And I probably won't buy a pair of shoes for a while, but you never know. Uh, me being a sneakerhead, I, I just I don't never know. I just sometimes it's an impulse, and I just pull a trigger exactly. for just because. <laughs> I completely agree. Yeah, um, I do have a I, I guess maybe a general question since we have been in you know sort of saying that women in the sneaker game have a little bit of a different, you know, sort of situation compared to the guys when it comes to it. Um, do you feel like there's a barrier of entry for women when they get into the sneaker game? Uh, for sure. Right. It depends on what you're getting into the sneaker game for though. Cause it's kind of like two capacities. Mm-hmm. Some people just get into the sneaker game just to literally get shoes that they love. Um, and they want to rock. And they don't care about reselling. The second half is reselling. That, that's the other capacity. Some people get into sneakers just for reselling. If you're just collecting, I don't think it's as much a barrier to entry. It's more so just an information thing. You kind of got to learn. Everyone has access to the same information. Honestly, if you're a girl, you got a, a lot of horny little boys that are happy <laughs> to help you just because they're like, a girl is so rare. You know, in this industry, right? I don't so, think that's going to help me these days. <laughs> you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. You got to think, like, I'm seeing kids as young as, like, 12, 10 years old get into reselling. And they're using their mom's and dad's credit card. Like, it's different right now. So in that capacity, I definitely think 
everyone's able to get into it. When you talk about reselling, though, everyone's able to get into it. But one thing that I struggle with, and my boyfriend, he gets so mad at me because when I'm reselling sneakers, sometimes you have to meet up with people. And as women, we're vulnerable. And, you know, people look at us as vulnerable creatures because they just think we're weak or, you know, they think we're not as smart. So when I resell sneakers and I have to do meetups, I, I had an instance five days ago, actually, where I could have got robbed simply because they looked at me as a female and weak. Um, had I not had my street smarts, I probably would have. So those are the things that I have to be careful with. Um, when I go do meetups, I have to make sure no matter what, I'm meeting up at the police station. I have to make sure I'm meeting during the day, which are precautions that everyone should take. But as a, a woman, I have to make sure I take them regardless, you know, because you never know what could happen. Um, so that barrier is a little tough. I definitely think I miss out on more money um, when I'm reselling because of that reason. But that's just something that you kind of have to deal with, you know, take precautions, make sure you're bringing people with you. Uh, but that, that for sure, I think is definitely one of the biggest kind of barriers. Yeah. I guess sort of related to, I mean, you're mentioning that you're still selling in person today. What are you trying to do, you know, besides the street, street smarts to, you know, protect yourself from robbery, which sounds super scary, but what else are you trying to do to like protect yourself and, you know, protect your shoes if you're buying or selling them? Well, so I moved to Texas. I've been here for two years now. So I live in Dallas. Everyone has a gun. So it was only yeah. right that I kind of get a gun myself. Hopefully I never have to use it. Right. But sometimes when people see that, they think twice about things that they may do. So that's number one. Number two, you must always meet during the day. Three, you must always meet at police station. Um, I don't know if they have these other places that they have like safe exchange zones because they realize how big e-commerce is and uh, how a lot of sales are going to be happening online, whether that's being shipped to a person or you have to meet up with them. So they have these areas at police stations where you meet where it's well lit, cameras everywhere, things like that. Um, and you just have to vet out everyone that you meet up with, right? I mostly, 85% of the time I sell on GOAT. Um, StockX, even smaller percentage. But when I do have to meet up, uh, making sure I'm looking at their Facebook profiles. Um, I got my hands on like the PS5s or whatever. That's one thing that I love about sneakers, right? It introduces you to just the whole concept of supply and demand regardless of what the product is. PS5s, you know, kind of have to take a different approach because people are going absolutely crazy on these. So just vetting out the person. I had to get new rules where I'm putting my PS5 in my trunk and I'm doing these contactless, you know, along with COVID contactless pickups where we're staying in the car. You send it. I don't even want to take cash anymore because people are giving fake bills. You know, you send the cash either through Zelle or Apple Pay because those are the most um, risk inverse platforms because the other ones people can charge back on and get their money back. And then now you're at a loss. You lost your item and you lost the money that you were supposed to be getting. So we're sitting in the car. They send over the money. Once I get the notification, I pop my trunk. They just go and grab the item out of the trunk. They close it and I drive off. So most guys don't even have to do that. You know what I mean? But as a woman, especially if I have to meet up by myself, even if I am at the police station, those are some of the precautions that I'm having to take now. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to worry about you. I'm so <laughs> Be careful out there. It's rough. Yeah. It's be like that. Um, but I'm not the only one. Guys are experiencing this too, right? But you don't have people simply looking for a guy to kind of, you know, like they look at female and they obviously think, oh, she's vulnerable because she's a woman. That's not always the case. But I mean, you just have a whole extra layer of consideration that you have to take in. And that's why I said I miss out on a lot of money sometimes just because you have to be extra skeptical. Whereas other guys probably go and make that money and it probably was cool, but that's just what I have to kind of deal with. And it kind of sucks, but at the same point in time, my safety is the most important. Mm -hmm. I concur. I've, I've, you know, I, I sold, I got rid of my whole Jordan collection. Don't cry. I know. Don't cry. I don't have any pair, any more pair of Jordans, but when I used to meet up, I used to take my homeboy with me like, yeah. yo, let's, let's go, let's go meet up. 
But it, I would sell my Jordans to the same people. It was mm-hmm. the same three guys that bought my Jordans. The same three. And they were super cool. Like, they were super, right. super cool. So I got super lucky. I said, man, I'll give you $40, man. Come on, come with me. They be like, man, you don't have to give yeah. me nothing, Amber. I'll buy you a chicken dinner. Come on, let's go. I got <laughs> to sell some shoes, man. They were like, all right, let's go. So it was better for me that way as well. So I actually got lucky and fortunate enough to not have to deal with that those shenanigans. Right, right. Um, and I sold to the same three people, so... You're a pretty much. <laughs> as far as introductions go, I mean, you know, for someone that's just getting started into the sneaker game, what three styles would you suggest someone start with and why? Um, so obviously I, we talked a lot about Jordans, but you do have like the Yeezys and things like that. Um, I only have two pairs of Yeezys in my collection. Um, when it comes to Yeezys, I'm not, the silhouette is not that dope for me to just kind of go and buy every single color that comes out. But they do have some interesting colors. You know, Conway, Kanye's been doing some interesting things over there. Um, I think Yeezys are the easiest to get right now. Um, they are widely available. Uh, the Yeezys are the easiest shoe that you can get into right now. Uh, um, when you talk about rocking them, I do think that they're easy to wear especially for women. Um, mm-hmm. You wear them with leggings. It's, you know, you're a woman. I'm not saying everyone woman wears leggings or anything like that, but I know a lot of young women, because there's probably young women that want to get into the sneaker game as well. Yeezys are the easiest style to kind of get into, easiest style to rock. Um, my favorites, though, are the Jordan ones, and I think everyone can rock these. They're the most rockable pair of kicks that you can really even think of, and Jordan has just been releasing them and not only in his original colorways, but in so many different, like the Travis Scott ones, like that colorway was crazy, you know, with the pink laces, all types of stuff like that. Now you have the Jordan one lows where they're kind of getting a little bit crazy with the colors there as well. So I, I like the Jordan ones, um, the Yeezys, if you're talking about just buried to entry, trying to get in and then. I like Air Maxes. Those are probably my second second favorite after Jordan ones. Air Max ones, especially. I do like some of the the Air Max eighty sevens. Well, really, only one, the Wolder Spoons. I thought were really cool. Um, but Air Maxes are super easy, and Air Force ones too. I don't have any Air Force ones, not since my older, my adult years. But Air Force ones too. You can rock those with anything. All right, cool. Now, we're about to wrap things up, and where can we find you on social media? Yeah, so um, my brand, and this kind of started off right when I was in high school. It was called 21 Future Kicks initially. Right now, it's just 21 Future because I want to expand into just outside of kicks. I don't think kicks are sustainable enough, so I want to start creating you know, clothes, um, accessories, those sorts. So 21 Future, you can find me on Instagram. And Twitter at underscore 21 future. So 21 F U T U R E. Uh, super simple. I'm on Facebook. You know, I'm going to start to kind of flesh that out a little bit. 21 future. Um, YouTube. I, I, I need you guys to subscribe. So I'm trying to get into you talk about unboxings and things like that. Um, getting into those a lot because I am able to get my hands on kicks a little bit more than maybe the normal person just because of my, my secret weapons. Um, but YouTube, and I haven't dropped the video yet, but that's going to be coming within the next week. So that's going to be tuned on future as well. I haven't linked in my bios for Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so definitely check those out. All right. Thank you for coming on, Tia. And you're welcome anytime. For sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can't wait to show you my unboxing video. <laughs> no, they're fun, actually. Uh, you'll have a good time. Thank you so much for joining us for the latest episode of Step Back Sisterhood. You can find us on Twitter at Step Back Sisters. You can find Janelle at Janelle12. That's J-A-N-N-E-L-L-E 12. 
Tara is at T-Z-B-B-I-G-G-S on Twitter. Brit, you can find at Brit Robotista, B-R-I-T-R-O-B-O-T-I-S-T-A. And finally, last but not least, you can find Amber at SimplyMe underscore A-V. And please be sure to follow Tia on all of the channels that she listed, including subscribing to her YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate everyone who takes the time to listen to Step Back Sisterhood. Catch you next time.